Let me ask you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 10. We are in this series that we've entitled, Who Does Jesus Say I Am? And we've been learning that he's given us some answers to that. If you've been here for the past five weeks, we've learned that Jesus says, I am called to greatness. I'm not as great as I think I am. I've got to become like a little child. I'm called to greatness. I'm a follower of Christ. I'm an everyday missionary. Last week, we learned that I'm a neighbor from the story of the Good Samaritan. And then today, we are going to learn that I am a personal worshiper. Now, I brought along a little stool here. How many of you ever sat on one of these? Those of you in northern Indiana that have ever milked a cow have probably become a little familiar with one of these. It's just simply a three-legged stool. How many of you think it'll hold me up? I'm going to give it a shot here. Ah, oh, look, it holds me up. What would happen if we removed just one of the legs? It would not go well for me. Everybody agree? Now, what you may not realize is your church is actually a three-legged stool. Everything we do around here is about disciple making. And discipleship is supported by a three-legged stool. The first leg is what we're doing right now. It is the gathered corporate worship service of the church. Once a week, we say, stop doing whatever you're doing and get in this building. We need to meet with one another. And because we're constrained by some square footage around here, we have to worship in shifts. And so we have four shifts of one of these legs, the corporate worship service. If you do not come to the corporate worship service, you're not going to be ad adequately supported in your discipleship. So this is a very important meeting. But there's another leg to this stool. It is called small group community. How many of you are in a small group? Raise your hand. Look at all these small group people. Listen, if you are in a small group, you have attached yourself to the second leg of the discipleship stool. If you're not in a small group, you're not being properly supported and you need to get in a small group so you can be supported in your discipleship. But there's one other leg of the stool and that's the one we're going to talk about this morning. It is not only the gathered worship event of the church, it's not just small group community, it is my personal worship at the feet of Jesus daily. It is my private, quiet place of intimacy with Jesus. My question to you is this, are you being supported by all three legs of the stool. If you're not, I'll bet you're stalled in your discipleship. And so this morning, we're going to find out that Jesus calls me a personal worshiper. Very familiar story in Luke chapter 10. Only five verses. Can you handle five verses this morning? And so let's begin to read. I'm going to give you the first point. There's three parts to this message. Three-legged stool, three parts to the message. Here's the first one. Personal worship is the place where I develop intimacy with Jesus. And so Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 38 says, now as they went on their way, now by the way, where are they going? Jesus is going somewhere. And we introduced you to this a couple of weeks ago. We saw that Jesus set his face toward Jerusalem. So everything in the second half of the gospel of Luke is a journey that Jesus is taking to Jerusalem where he will be crucified on a cross. Now, as they went on their way to Jerusalem, to the cross, Jesus entered a village. Now, we know from the other gospel the name of this village. It was Bethany, a village just two miles outside of Jerusalem. 
And there it says, a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Now, do you see the movement in this story? There's some wonderful movement here, and it is not by accident. It's the movement that a disciple makes in approaching the feet of Jesus. We're going to talk about our intimacy with Jesus this morning. What is intimacy? Let's give it a definition, three different parts here. First of all, it is the unrestricted access that we have to Jesus in response to a personal invitation. Notice Jesus comes into the village, but a lot of people welcome Jesus into the zip code, the village, but they haven't welcomed Jesus into their home like Martha did. And so a lot of people, they look at their community and they pray. It's like, Lord, there's some really messed up stuff going on in our community right now. And Lord, it would be great if you would enter into our village and, and you know, if you'd bring a revival and spiritual awakening to our village and maybe you could do something about the, the, the racial inequality and maybe you could do something about the, you know, the, the violence in the streets. If you could just drain the swamp, Jesus, that'd be awesome. In our village, that'd be great. And a lot of people have a burden for what Jesus wants to do out there somewhere, and yet they haven't welcomed Jesus a little closer into proximity into their home. And that defines the relationship that some of you have with Jesus. You want Jesus in your zip code, but you don't really welcome him any closer than that. As a matter of fact, some of you think that your spiritual experiences take place only in a corporate service where there's a pastor that feeds you and preaches to you. Please understand what I'm doing right now is giving you a pre-digested processed meal of spiritual food. Okay. And it is not enough. I don't care who preaches or teaches to you. It is not enough to sustain you spiritually. You have to have a personal relationship that is initiated by personal invitation for Jesus to come and sit at his feet. If your relationship with Jesus is one in which the pastor or preacher or teacher teaches you the word of God and a worship leader sings to you the songs of God and, and serves you in all the ministries, if, if you don't have something personal going on with Jesus, you are not a disciple. And so Jesus invites you. Some of you grew up in a church where there was an invitation at the end of every service. Now at our church, the invitation never ends. The invitation is open right now. You can come, get out of your seat, come down here. We'll tackle you if you get too close to me, but we'll take you off into a counseling room and we'll, we'll, we'll talk to you about whatever is on your heart that Jesus may be inviting you to do. And we'll, we'll spend time with you. The invitation's always open, but understand that the invitation is daily personally for you to come and sit at the feet of Jesus like Martha. You've got a personal invitation. Why would you not get at the feet of Jesus every day? Secondly, intimacy is a nearness driven by the pleasure of a personal relationship. 
Pastor Wes is one of our best encouragers on our church staff. And, and uh, quite often he'll just text me a two-word phrase. It just says, enjoy God. Like, really? That's just enjoy God? Yeah, it comes from actually knowing him and loving him and then enjoying him. I've prayed that you would enjoy the corporate gathered worship experience today. Have you enjoyed that? Have you enjoyed God or have you just enjoyed the music? Did you just enjoy the screens? Did you just enjoy delights or are you enjoying God? Well, listen, you don't need the gathered corporate worship experience that happens once a week around here. You can enjoy God every day at the feet of Jesus. And then intimacy is a familiarity that's produced by personal affection. Mary was not a stranger to Jesus and neither was Martha. As a matter of fact, Mary and Martha and their brother, do you know his name? In John chapter 11, we're introduced to this guy named Lazarus. And this family was very close to Jesus. Jesus had personal affection for them, and they had personal affection for Jesus. One day, Mary and Martha delivered news to Jesus that their brother Lazarus had died. Do you know what Jesus did in response to that? He burst into tears. There was an affection, there was a familiarity. They were his best friends outside of the 12 disciples. They, they knew each other, they loved each other. There was an affection for one another. By the way, Jesus fixed Lazarus' little problem four days later and uh, he, he raised him from the dead. And so Mary and Martha, man, they knew him at an intimate level. And so this was probably not the first time Jesus had been in Martha and Mary and Lazarus' home. There was a personal affection. They'd spent time with one another. Do you understand that when you are seated at the feet of Jesus, that you have the attention of God? He wants to hear your heart. He wants to hear your anxieties, your fears, your joys, your struggles, your pressures. You have the attention of God. Not only that, we have his spirit. Now, some of you are reading this story and you're like, well, yeah, if, you know, if Jesus would literally physically knock at my door, come to my dinner table, I would probably, I would probably sit at his feet for a while. But Mary had an advantage that we don't have. Jesus is just probably not physically going to show up at my house. Do you know what Jesus said about that? It is to your advantage that Jesus physically is not going to show up at your house. Do you know why? Because he's left for us his spirit. In John chapter 14, verse 26, Jesus says, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said. You see, if Jesus came to your house tonight for dinner, that would mean he wouldn't be at my house for dinner tonight, physically. But because he has left us the spirit, he can be at your house as much as he is at my house, as much as he was at Martha and Mary's house, because the Holy Spirit gives us access into his presence. And then we have his word. We have his attention. We have his spirit. We have his word. We have access that produces a personal affection. In Acts chapter 20, 
after the Apostle Paul had planted the church there in Ephesus, he was leaving. And they were like, oh my goodness, what are we going to do without the physical presence of Paul? You know what Paul said to them? He says, I am now commending you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance amongst all those who are sanctified. We have the word of God. And by opening our Bibles, we are sitting at the feet of Jesus and he teaches us. This is the way that we develop intimacy with Jesus. Here's the second thing. Personal worship is the place that is challenged by many distractions. Look at verse 40. And Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone. How many of you have ever complained about your sister before? Have you ever had a few complaints? Have you ever registered those complaints with God? Lord, I just want you to notice right now here which one of us is actually doing a better job at loving you. Have you ever had those temptations? Well, that's exactly what Martha is, is, is saying to Jesus right now. She's complaining. She's whining to Jesus about how hard her assignment is while what is Mary doing at this particular moment? Answer? Nothing. And that's what Martha should have been doing. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Then she, she offers a solution to her own problem. Tell her then to help me. It's a prayer request. <laughs> Did you put that on your prayer request this morning? The, I, some of these, the, these people need to get off the rear end and get in the game. Now, you've, you've heard some of those th similar things around here. We've actually encouraged you. We've kind of built a culture around here that is a culture of serving and a culture of sending. But I want you to be careful this morning. You are not qualified to serve or to be sent until you have developed intimacy with Jesus by sitting in his presence. And if you are serving and trying to live sent and you're exhausted and worn out, I can almost guarantee you the reason is because you have neglected sitting at the feet of Jesus. I made a list of all the distractions, not all of them, but a lot of the distractions that just kept me from the feet of Jesus this morning. Maybe you can identify with some of these. Uh, bill paying. Anybody distracted by bill paying? Anybody distracted by a lack of money to pay the bills? Yeah. Anybody distracted by the work you have to do to make the money to pay the bills? Yeah, all right. I'm getting some. Yard work. Anybody? Yard work, dandelions, weeds, crabgrass. Any of that going on? Uh, moles, gophers, <laughs> grubs, children that have destroyed the grass. <laughs> Presidential politics, home repairs, toilet seats. That was on my list this week. Meal preparation, eating the meal that had been prepared, cleaning up the meal that had been prepared and eaten. Housework, car repairs, Football, 
We're entering into the 14 weeks, the 16 weeks, the 20 weeks that is more distracting for me than any other season of the year because there are other little gods that keep my attention, that play with balls. <laughs> Movies, music, phone calls, text messages, email. Can I get an amen? Yes. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, social media. Anybody distracted by any of this stuff? Oh, by the way, did you get the new update? How many of you have one of these? Pull it out. Get, get, everybody, pull it out. Pull it out. Did you, you got, you, pull it out. Did you get one of these? Now look, um, did, did you get, did, they built in a new feature on the phone. And I want to make sure, some of you have never used this feature. I want to introduce it to you, okay? What happens now, if you press and hold this button on the side, everybody do that. <laughs> press and hold the button on the side. This little bar comes up at the top of your phone. You see that? If you will take your finger now and just move it over to the side, look what happens. It goes into do not distract mode. And some of you have never used this little feature. Thank you for coming to church. It's just, I want to be helpful to you, okay? Listen, one of the things that keeps us from the feet of Jesus is the things that pop up on screens. Do you realize that when this story was recorded, there were not as many distractions as we have today, and yet Martha still found herself distracted. Martha missed the opportunity to worship Jesus because she was too busy working for Jesus. Do you know who I'm talking to this morning? I'm talking to the best servants at Gospel City Church. Let's find out if any of you are in the room. If you are a, a staff member of Gospel City Church or married to a staff member of Gospel City Church, would you please stand right now? All the staff. Stand up. Where's my staff? All right, good. Stephen's representing all of us this morning. Oh, good. All right, there's Barbara. Okay, good. Now, just remain standing here. If you are an elder at Gospel City Church, would you please stand? Or the spouse of an elder, would you please stand? All right, we got a few more. If you are a small group leader at Gospel City Church, would you please stand? If you lead a team, if you lead a team of Gospel City Church somewhere, uh, would you please stand? If you are a, uh, if you serve on any team at Gospel City Church, would you please stand? You serve on a team, you work in Harvest Kids or in student ministry or college, you risk your life on the parking lot nowadays. I mean, you serve. Good. If you've ever given to Gospel City Church, you've thrown something in the offering, just would you please stand? If you came to church today, would you please stand? Okay, now look, these are the people that I'm talking to. Remain standing here, okay? Do you know who this story is about? It's the people that have gotten so busy in the work of the Lord that you have neglected the Lord of the work. God has a word to speak to all the Marthas that are now standing. You are distracted by so many things. All right, now sit down. Now listen, some of you right now are saying, okay, that's it. I'm marching right down there to Michelle Helm Camp. I'm resigning from children's ministry work. <laughs> do not do that. We need you to keep serving. I am not telling you to serve less. The enemy of serving Jesus is not 
worshiping Jesus. Does everybody hear me on that? The enemy of serving Jesus is not worshiping Jesus. The enemy of serving Jesus is serving idols. It's worshiping other things. It's not putting Jesus first. Here's what I came to tell you this morning. Christ is best served by undistracted disciples empowered by the Holy Spirit as the overflow of intimacy with him. Let me say that again. I need to hear it. Christ is best served by undistracted disciples empowered by the Holy Spirit as the overflow of intimacy with him. Do you have a personal thing going on with Jesus at his feet daily? If not, you like me are tempted to be distracted by elder meetings and staff meetings and sermon preparation and counseling and construction. All of those things are necessary and need my time and attention but none of them are the top priority. We must have a thing at the feet of Jesus. I've discovered that my velocity is often the enemy of my intimacy. And as my velocity increases, my intimacy with Jesus decreases. And I have to slow down so that good things don't take the place of the best thing. And so we need to make sure that what fills up our calendars is actually the most important things. Let me ask you, are you a Martha or are you a Mary? Look here at verse 41. Here's how the Lord answered the prayer request. Lord, tell her to get off her rear and help me. Verse 41, Jesus, but the Lord answered her and said, Martha, Martha. Why do you think he had to call her name twice? I mean, no wasted words in the Bible, right? Luke records, not just Martha, Martha, Martha. I think it was because she didn't hear him the first time. I mean, maybe she was zooming around the house, moving from room to room so fast. Martha, Martha. Actually, do you know what we discover anytime we see the Lord using a name twice. At one point he said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. And he wept over her. And then on the cross he said, my God, my God. Every time we see Jesus using a name twice, he's weeping. His heart's hurting. He loves Martha so much. He wants to spend time with her. He says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and you are troubled about so many things. Here's the question. How do you know if you're a Martha or a Mary? The question is, are you anxious? Now listen, it's not wrong to do many things. Jesus didn't rebuke her for doing many things. It's wrong to do many things while you are anxious and troubled. Anxiety comes from this sense that I don't have enough time, I don't have enough resources, I don't have enough energy, and I don't even know that I like doing this. And so it creates this anxiety in your heart. The root issue is a lack of trust, a lack of intimacy with Jesus. And so how do you feel 
when nobody needs you to do anything. How good are you at sitting still? Or dealing with awkward pauses in church. Did you just feel like something was broken? Because something wasn't coming at you so fast and your brain just like, ah, oh, I don't know what to do with the space. That could be a sign that you are anxious and you're troubled with so many things. Here's another question. Are you critical of others? I mean, Martha is clearly ticked off at her sister. She's making comparisons with the number of calories she's burning for Jesus, the number of calories that her sister's burning for Jesus, with how hard her assignment is compared with how easy, seemingly, Mary's assignment is. Do you ever do that? What do you do when others simply start worshiping unashamedly? adoring Christ. Does that make you uncomfortable? When people take the level of conversation beyond the surface down to things that are spiritual and eternal, how do you feel about that? I'm convinced the reason why some of you don't come to our Fresh Encounter prayer meetings is because you know that's where the people that are comfortable sitting at the feet of Jesus show up. And you're not great at that. Do you try to escape an environment that gets intimate and personal with Jesus because you're so uncomfortable? Listen, are you critical of others? And then finally, are you mad at God? Not only is Martha ticked off at Mary, she's kind of ticked off at Jesus. Tell her to help me then. And Jesus like, Martha, Martha. What you need is not the help of Mary. What you need is the help of me. Sit down, shut up, and listen, and I will teach you things that will transform your life. And so understand that Jesus had done so much for her. She'd raised her brother from the dead. And he was in the process of transforming her life as well. Here's the last thing. Personal worship is the place where I prioritize the one thing necessary. Notice at verse 41, verse 42. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. My question to you is this, is intimacy with Jesus your number one priority? How do I assess that? Well, understand this, when I understand that intimacy with Jesus is the one thing necessary, I will make my thing the number one thing meeting with Jesus. My thing is to keep the one thing, intimacy with Jesus, thing one. And if you have anything else in the category of thing one, you are missing out on the things that you really need. Intimacy with Jesus is the gateway to everything I really need. Whatever else is 
a higher priority than Jesus, I guarantee you it will never satisfy you. No matter how much of it you get. Rest, sleep, vacation, money, career, friends, followers on Instagram. None of it will satisfy. Only intimacy with Jesus meets the thing that you were created for. That's why one of the greatest prayers in scripture is found in Psalm, one, Psalm 27. He says, one thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord, the presence of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple, to get so close to Jesus that you can gaze and, and admire and adore the beauty of what you see there. Intimacy with Jesus is the one choice that makes a thousand other choices simple. Now, through the years, most of you have probably heard a sermon on Martha and Mary, right? As a matter of fact, people look at this and a lot of people will like do a study in personality profiles. I mean, clearly, Mary and Martha have different personalities. Some people would say, well, they obviously have spiritual gifts. On the spiritual gift test, I'm sure that Martha came out with the gift of serving. And I'm sure that, that Mary had some, you know, special, intimate, warm, fuzzy, feely type emotional serving gift that way. But it, they're just clearly different. If they took the Enneagram test, I'm sure that Martha would show up as a two. And I'm sure that Mary would show up as a four. And of course, they're just wired differently. So you shouldn't have the same expectation of people that are wired differently. Is that what Jesus said? No, Jesus didn't say, Martha, you're different. Essentially, he said, Martha, you're disobedient. Your problem is not that you're wired different. Your problem is that you have prioritized the wrong thing. And so he, he elevates the worship above the work. Do you know what this means? I am as close to Jesus as I have chosen to be. You are as close to Jesus as you've chosen to be. Well, I want to be closer. What did Jesus say? Mary has chosen. The reason she was at Jesus' feet is not because she was wired to be at Jesus' feet. It's because she chose to be at Jesus' feet. It's a choice. Now listen, getting real practical here, we need to understand. Some of you are like getting all motivated. It's like, okay, I'm gonna prioritize intimacy with Jesus and you're gonna go out of here and you're gonna fail miserably within 24 hours. You know why? Because you didn't make a plan. Because if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. So if you're gonna be intimate with Jesus, you're gonna have to make some plans. Here's, here's what you're gonna have to do. You're going to have to, number one, stop doing something that you're already doing. It could be, I, I helped you already. Greatest thing I've ever done for you is I showed you how to turn off your phone. And so that's going to free up hours of your day, actually. And you just turn it off. Now what are you going to do with that? Well, Jesus is waiting. 
um, at your, you know, just come, sit, and there you go. Now, now you're going to have to hear from him, so we're going to have to get a Bible. Some of you don't, don't have a, a real Bible. It's like, if I turn off my phone, I don't have a Bible. Yeah, that's what I'm telling you. You need a real Bible. So get one that has paper and ink, okay? Listen, but they're so expensive. You just turned off your $700 phone. <laughs> Invest in a Bible that's going to outlast the week. Open it up. Grab a pen. Get a journal. And just sit there. Read the words. Don't move. Read them again. Read them again. Read them again. And then fill up the page with everything that comes to your mind as the Holy Spirit begins to illuminate what the word says and you will be shocked at how intimate that time will become and listen if it doesn't happen in the first 15 minutes don't be shocked by that you're just decluttering all the stuff that's been distracting you all these years and so wait and listen and Jesus will speak and the spirit will inspire you listen I said this is the one choice that makes a thousand other choices simple you know what that means you don't ever have to decide what you're going to do on Sunday you're going to come to church. Why? Because that's part of the three-legged stool. And if you got time left over for other things, you can do that too. I just, I just helped you with the first part of your day. You're going to spend the first part of your day with Jesus. And if you have any time left over, you can do other stuff. Later. You don't ever have to say, I don't have enough time to read God's Word. This is what you'll say. I didn't have enough time to watch Netflix or update Facebook because I spent time reading God's Word. You don't ever have to say, I don't have enough money to give to God. You know why? Because if you prioritize intimacy with Jesus, you give to Jesus first every time he gives to you. And then if you've got anything left over, then you can give it or spend it on other things. But you, you can say, well, I can't afford to buy this meaningless thing because I gave to God first. Jesus is, is my priority. That's what I want you to do. Mike is going to come out. We're going to end the service here just seated at the feet of Jesus. I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes as much as possible. Would you draw a circle around yourself, block out every distraction, and just listen as the Spirit of God speaks to our heart? Micah's going to sing, and I think that the words of this song are going to be expressions of our heart in response to what we've heard this morning. Let's end our time just sitting at the feet of Jesus.